Welcome to Saturday Strategy, the business show for the small and mighty. This is your host, Johnny Themans. Hi, welcome and thanks for joining us for this edition of Saturday Strategy, the original podcast for business owners who want to cut the crap and get the answers. I'm Johnny, I'm your host, and we've got, as always, loads of information in this episode. So if you're driving or getting on with other stuff, you'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, one of the things that's really, um, I think, on the horizon for every business, every community, every government is the green agenda. You know, it's 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 everywhere and all around us. And um, and I think it's it's more than in our consciousness now. And I think it's a, a thing that we're all realizing we're going to have to do something about. But most of us either haven't done and we're kicking that can down the road a little bit or we've made attempts and we don't know if we're doing the right thing. Uh, so today we're going to uh, look into uh, running a greener, a greener business, and why that's why that's a good business decision, uh, and aligns with uh, our, our normal goals of uh, increasing sales, improving efficiency, and uh, improving sustainability uh, for the long term of our, our company. So today we're joined by Andy Weil. Andy's a long-standing sustainability practitioner, which is jargon. I'm sure he's going to help us through that in a minute. Uh, his expertise has been in the area of advanced manufacturing. He's worked nationally, locally, um, internationally, and advised companies and governments on how to um, unlock a, a, a secret piece of source in a business called the circular economy, which we're going to unpick a little bit. Um, the reason we're getting Andy on, I think, is as owner managers, we 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 struggle and grapple with knowing that we should do the right thing, but not necessarily knowing what the right thing is, or finding time to make it a priority. And really, as we as we watch the news unfold, with Bill Gates talking about you know the greatest the greatest achievement mankind's going to do is saving the planet, and Joe Biden coming in and setting out the biggest green agenda ever, and uh, and and seeing how the, all of these things you know, affect us all on a daily basis now, then I think it's just time for us to uh, just to pick Andy's brains and to try and work out what's what's going on and what we can do. Andy, welcome to Saturday Strategy. I, I think you heard that introduction there. Um, do you want to just start off and just tell us what, what a sustainability practitioner actually does? Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for inviting me here today. Um, yeah, like you say, it's just jargon, sustainability practices. If you care about the environment and want to do something physically about it, it's someone who goes and develops models so other people and then works with other people, collaborates to make the world a better place, to be honest. Yeah, to turn business aspects into the three aspects of sustainability, uh, people, planet, profit. And if you're trying to hit all those three things at the same time, then you're going to become sustainable. People, planet, Profit. Profit. Three, three P's. Okay, That's, I like that. So going back to my personal dilemma, which I know is shared by a lot of business owners, um, you know, it's that, I think, what was the expression? Something like, just because you can't do very much is the worst excuse for doing nothing. Um, how, how, how do we, how and what and why should we be even looking at this stuff as a, as a small business owner on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis? I prefer to look at that from the other side of the lens, Johnny, and say that uh, one of my strap lines is that sustainability is a journey that you shouldn't take on your own. It's, it doesn't make, if you're going to do it just by yourself, 
without collaborating with the people, you're not going to achieve very much. And so it's about understanding that your small part can contribute to a greater sum. Now, give us an example of how, how that might work in practice. Um, okay, so uh, through, through the local business environmental network that I chaired, uh, we worked with Shropshire Wildlife Trust, uh, local friends of groups, um, Seven Trent and Telford and Reekin on something called Lovey Rivers. Understanding is sort of a, a community science-based aspect, how we could take the water courses of Telford that were failing the Water Framework Directive quality standards right, and work together to identify source pollution. And it could be from houses, housing estates, businesses, amongst other things, and identify where that comes from. And then uh, a clean stream team would come in and sort out that source pollution and overall would improve we improve the water quality of Telford. Okay. And that's what we did, but we only did it, it wasn't a business initiative. It wasn't a business working on its own. It was just a collaborative event where we worked for the greater good. Okay, brilliant. So so we've got benefits to the greater good. Um that's 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 the that's the planet and 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 the stuff there. Um, and the people, I suppose, the sort of residents. What about profit? How does that, you know, you said the three P's was people, planet and profit. Okay. Uh, it's about literally about compliance. For me as a business, if my plastic nodules are disappearing down my surface water drains, they're going to end up in a water course. Mm-hmm. That is going to be, um, there was another business as well uh, that, I, that had a problem with its drainage but didn't know about it. And its sewage was being mixed with the surface water, and that was ending up in the local watercourse. They had no idea until this uh, community effort group went along, and they, we literally walked along waterways looking for things like froth, bubbles, funny coloured water. Yeah. We had some um, the environment agency worked with us as well, and they had some um, testing equipment so we could test the uh, turbidity and the pH values of the water, uh, and help us track down an area which then the clean stream team could come in and look for the source pollution and put it right but from a business aspect they could have been prosecuted yeah and now legislation is more towards not so much a fixed amount of say five thousand pounds so your md could turn around and say well i'll I'll just pay the fine yeah it's it's more about um what you earn as a company Mm. yeah so it's literally based against your turnover right okay so so they can be quite hefty penalties yeah. for not doing this okay so andy that's that's important there's a big stick hanging over us, so we've got to comply there's a there's a compliance imperative what about the incentives though what what's what can you give me as a business owner that says actually johnny you know it, it's in your best interest to do this not just because we're going to punish you it's actually it makes good business sense it does because you you could talk first of all the lean and green aspects and that you're reducing the waste in your organization. So pollution's a bad thing. Let's get that right on the table straight away. Yeah, but agreed. you look at the efficiency of your process, that's stuff that you paid for that you're not using in your process. Yeah. And it's just disappearing quite literally down the drain in some cases. So your business performance uh, and raw material input, your yields are critical to you making a profit. Mm. Yeah. So you utilizing as much material as possible in your product production right, makes business sense. So yeah. The lean and green aspects. There's also um, employees as well. Employees want to know 
they need to know that the organization that they work in actually cares about the environment where they live yeah so if you work somewhere and they're dumping stuff in the local water course or they're polluting the atmosphere you've got to walk clock out go home and live in that environment mm. yeah. so it's those health and well-being aspects are there as well and there's lots of things there's different things like natural capital aspects where you're working on conservation projects uh, which improve the health and well-being of employees anyway that doesn't we've done work i've done work in the reeking forest which is very beneficial to certain species that we worked and identified targeted species in there. But we also worked with several companies in Telford that have improved their own grounds mm. through the natural capital of that. And employees have worked on tree conservation, um, small mammal trapping, so they can understand you know, what biodiversity they've got. So camera trapping was another great aspect as well. Lots of companies put that in, where they've captured what the wildlife is the unseen, unexpected wildlife that just drifts around there 50 acres or so in the middle of the night. Mm. Yeah. But then as you get the employee aspects of that, but from a business point of view, it really fundamentally is about what the customer wants. Yeah? Yes. Customer is only going to buy from you if you give them what they want in a responsible manner. Yeah. yeah. If they've got to explain um, through their supply chain, the ethics yeah, so I suppose actually a good example of this would be the fact that Tesla's now the biggest car company in the world. Yeah. Is that is that is that a good example? It's it's a questionable one. Uh okay. they are <laughs> they are they the raw materials for their batteries that go into thing come from slightly questionable sources. Okay, but our perception is green, isn't it? But the perception is green and the move towards that when they change what the batteries are made of, yeah. it'll be nailed. But um, I've worked in several cases where, um, say, you've got a product, you've got very similar to your competitors, and you're going towards, say, a public sector procurement framework, yeah, and you're roughly the same product, roughly the same price, providing roughly the same service. And now you're coming to the nitty gritty of what else you can do. Now, if you can show that, one, the organisation where you work is working sustainably, and also, two, their employees have good health and well-being, and three, they do things in the local community to improve the environment, and four, and this is the clincher, if you want to learn about it, you come to our place and I'll show you how to do it. Yeah, tick, 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 you've won the contract, right? And that's the difference between you winning a contract. It's a differentiator between you winning and, and your competitors not winning. Yeah? yeah, so even at a fundamental business thing, because it's what the customer wants, yeah, this is a game changer. Yeah, and customers will pay more as well, won't they, for something that's green? There, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll pay, they'll pay extra for sustainable packaging and yeah. electric cars is a great example. Yeah, 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 amazing, amazing, really, isn't it? When you think about how far we've already travelled with without really knowing about it. Now, my perception, Andy, would be that as business owners, you know, whether particularly us small business owners, where it's harder because uh, we're we're a very diverse lot we're probably the slower adopters here are we than the big business or or is this this is not news to large companies is it this is it's a good point um and it's the reason why i work on several advising several defra departments on engaging with smes now because that's the target so you recognize that small business owners uh, make up the majority of the uk industry to be fair um 
And so they're starting to realize that to have an impact, they need to engage, but they don't understand the language to speak to small business owners. It's a case of um, why you should be engaged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it comes a little bit back to the carrot and the stick that you mentioned earlier. And it's really about understanding the language you need to imply to get you engaged, to understand why you, as a small business, you need to get on board with this in terms of your understanding your business continuity. Yeah. And that's really yeah. what the circular economy is about. And that's why um, another thing I said on the West Midlands Combined Authority Circular Economy Task Force, which I love having big words for. Um, again, regionally, nationally, it's been understood. I've worked internationally where it's been understood. Nationally through the Environment Bill and the uh, now the targets are coming through DEFRA. It's understood there. Regionally, it's understood. Right, and that's now coming feeding down to the small businesses, but they can't, they don't have the language to first of all set the appropriate stat strategy and targets so people can understand them, and to the language of engaging small business owners so they realize why there are business continuity issues and why it can enhance their performance and their productivity. Okay, okay, and how much of this is being made easier for us through supply chain for instance through you know let me give an example my my uh my waste disposal mm -hmm. you know i can't really control what happens once the waste leaves our premises can i but i can i can i can i get clear sight of what they're doing with my waste so it's it then makes it worthwhile perhaps sorting it and or whatever i don't know I'm, I'm not asking the question very well andy i think you get no no it's exactly the fundamental questions of why people bothered in the first place so when i first started doing this in 1999 2000 those are if you if you think back to those days when we didn't have recycling bins at our houses right so we were trying to bring this into a company and, and then people said what's the point you know what are we doing it for so it's understanding that um Part of my role in doing that was it's called duty of care. And it's understanding exactly that. Where does your waste go? Does it go to an appropriate person? Right? Are they appropriately licensed? And to what happens to it? Uh, because I was working to a zero waste to landfill standard, a RICO group standard at the time. Um, and so part of that process to completely understand that. But a hidden benefit of that is that once you understood the process, you could ask questions to say, well, I've got this other stuff here. Can you take that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or hang on a sec, because one of the one of the early problems is when we first started doing this is there were many, say, baler salesmen who'd come out and sell you a mini baler for your cardboard, for example, for your smaller business. Yeah. Right. And then with the offer that you could, oh, you, that cardboard is now revenue. You can sell that to a, a recycler. In reality, what was happening is because those bales weren't the industry-sized bales, uh, they were actually taken away. And when you try to give it to a recycler, they're going like, I'm, I'll charge you £20 for that. And you'd be going like, no, you're meant to pay me £20. And he said, no, because I've got to take that bale, I've got to take it away, I've got to unpack it, and then resize it again to the proper size. Mm. Right. So having that understanding, because you've had the conversation with the recycling people, turns your business into um i called it waste to product so people mm -hmm. understood and we taught it in induction waste to product yeah, yeah as in sorry slightly slightly cool yeah no i understand that so you're turning you're turning a waste 
product yeah. in, a waste item into a new yeah. product because, because you understood what the product could be and through yeah. segregation in your place of work by making sure that you try to make it as much like the product as possible you're actually increasing the value of the material yeah. so it's stopping it being a cost it might end up being a zero cost and ultimately if you get it properly right it becomes a revenue stream yeah. it actually contributes to the business yeah, amazing. Back in uh, 2009, 2010, I remember t- talking to a company and they, uh, they, they, they were a fabrication company and they, they made very standard size items and uh, they used 1.8 meter lengths of light metal yeah. and the things, but the, but the lengths of metal came in, I think it was 2.4 meter lengths. So they had skips full of offcuts outside. And funnily enough, the skips were never emptied because they were loot- they were looted every night for all of the stuff and when they hit a bit of a financial crisis somebody in the staff said why don't we speak to the suppliers and see if they'll send us 1.8 meter lengths yeah so they spoke to the suppliers and suppliers said yeah we'll, we'll supply them whatever length you want so they eliminated all that wastage which they had just gone in the skip and yeah. been stolen for years and years and years and uh, anyway it saved that company as it was that that, that one change um managed to manage to improve the profitability of the company and they could stay in business exactly it can be that much of a game changer and there can be it's it you i think we said before that it's a hidden cost Mm. but why is it a hidden cost when it's staring you in the face yeah so if i'm if i'm understanding this right andy the green stuff you're talking about is actually just common sense isn't it i'm afraid so uh i i could go into the psychological aspects of the the models the circular economy models that we talked about but at the end of the day it doesn't have to be that difficult you can can apply a few common sense questions that can you wouldn't make you wonder why you've never seen it before yeah and and there's two reasons for change isn't there one is we've got to because we might get fined and the other one is we might want to because we can improve our margins because we can sell our products for maybe more money or we can win work that we wouldn't otherwise have had access to. I'm, I'm trying to translate some of the stuff you've been telling us here in terms of practical things. So how do we get started in terms of, you know, making our, our slow transition towards us being a more green company that's, that's meaningful enough that we can talk about it. It's, it's, there is a little bit of academic work involved. Um, you, I, I could, I could talk for hours on the circle of Zen and the flow and the, the way the material circularity goes. And there's the Ella MacArthur Foundation uh, butterfly diagram, which talks about technical and biological cycles, uh, which people have gone to sleep already, re- start to open their laptop and do something else. Um, but it doesn't have to be that difficult, but it's understanding. And I always finish off my lectures by saying this, this is a business continuity issue. Uh, if you want, if you want to stay in business, you have to be sustainable. It, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. You haven't planned for the future because you're going to be more sustainable to be, to be in a future for start. But like I said, it doesn't have to be over academic in the understanding of it. There are many people who want to keep it at academic level. And I was, I remember I was in, um, when I was advising the government the first time, I was in Westminster Abbey, uh, bizarrely in Westminster Abbey, surrounded by a number of professors and the chief scientific advisors. And I just, I just fell under a barrage of circular materiality 
as they spoke over the top of me, uh, talking about cycles of technology and, and all that sort of thing. So I, and I, I just went away very angry at that point. That I, couldn't, I hadn't got the academic ability to get a word in edgeways uh, and came up with a, a simple list of bullet points, which I sent off to the government's chief scientific advisor. And he went, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be that difficult. Um, and so I, I've slightly been refining the uh, approach ever since then, which is a model we can talk about in a moment. But um, yeah, just simplistically, the, you can just ask yourself a list of questions. Um, like I say, it's just common sense. So when you get yeah. stuff coming into your company, you say, do I actually need that? So um, packaging, for example, the most packaging I've seen uh, in a, any new model introduction Packaging design is the 11th hour and 59th minute, probably 59th second, yeah? Where you've, your new model introduction gone in, you've made your model, you want to say to the customer, right, it's got to go out, oh, quick, throw some throw some cardboard at it, yeah? Throw some EPS at it, right? Just make sure it doesn't get damaged. So it's, most of the time, it's over-engineered and you don't need that. And not many people ask the question, well, what's this piece of packaging actually do? And that can save you tons and tons and and costs as well in the same mm. costs. Um, so the things refuse, refuse something, yeah. Next question is, can you send it back? So um, usually, especially if you've got some high performance expensive product or raw material or parts that you're getting in, they come in some robust packaging to make sure they don't get damaged. And that probably costs a lot of money. So the person sending you further down the supply, supply chain, uh, if you said, well, do you want this back so I don't have to get rid of it? They're going to say, yeah, why not? <laughs> so mm. when we come and deliver stuff, just bang it back on the wagon, we'll have it back. Yeah. So again, just simplistic stuff. Um, and the next question asks is, can it be used somewhere else? So, um, so for example, where I worked before, you, you've got pallets, that came in uh, with imported toner. And so imported toner is very, very expensive. So the pallets had to be very, very good. Right? Uh, and the guys in the recycling center were suddenly noticed that I, they were using these pallets and they were sending this to, you know, our recyclers out on them. I said, well, what's going on? They said, well, they're, they're actually really good pallets. It's like, they're better than the ones we've got already. So, okay, carry on then. And then the product engineers came down and went, those pallets are really good, aren't they? Now, why don't we put our finished goods on them? Yeah. And then we're not actually buying any pallets to come in. And that saved £28,000 a year in pallets, which is a stupid amount, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because simply because they're not, oh, that looks good. Why, why are we throwing it away? So mm. it doesn't have to be a typical, um, a difficult question. Um, you could go into other aspects. Of, uh, the full technical term is industrial symbiosis. Uh, and you can talk for hours. Let's not, not use that term. Exactly. So if I talked about this, if I came into your office and said, let's, let's discuss circular economy, industrial symbiosis aspects, you'd be like, get out. <laughs> but if I told you to save 28 grand on pallets just by reusing them, you'd be interested, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a brilliant example. Um, Andy, I love the fact that we're trying to bring this this green agenda into everyday use and i love the fact that we're trying to just make it easy and practical for us to to do the right thing i think we all everybody wants to do the right thing but sometimes it's just so bloody hard isn't it so thank you very much for trying to help us 
with uh, with all of that. Um, we've only scratched the surface here today, Andy. How do how do we find out more? How do we stay in touch with you? How do we how do we get involved? What's, um, what's the best thing to do? Well, thanks for the compliments, Johnny. First of all, um, I I run Sustainability Andy Wild S A W. Um, you can find me under Andy Wild on LinkedIn, and there are various of the notes and presentations that you can get an idea of what I do and give you some ideas for yourself. Perhaps we can put those as some links then, maybe on the yep. uh, on the show notes. Andy, thank you very much for taking the time to come and you know help us to unpick this one a little bit, and uh, it's been really really helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. It's a privilege. So that's it for this edition of Saturday Strategy. Thank you so much for sticking with us to the end. Um, if you've got any feedback, you can reach out on WhatsApp using 07977 437 360, and that's my personal mobile number. Uh, please do reach out to Andy if you've got any questions or thoughts um, on, on uh, how you can achieve more sustainable um, green efforts in your business. And uh, that's it until next time. Thanks very much. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts.